0: Take Me Home, another like starting the weekend with a little share. And Take Me Home will be at our first topic today, as we're going to be start the show off, talking to Yower Charlie about the new reality show uh, called Listing Impossible. He is a a longtime realtor here in Los Angeles. But more importantly, I actually uh, was there. I married him to a spouse when he got married, but he got married twice. He got married on the Oscars, too. And, of course, uh, one of the things unique about Yower is he's the first openly gay Muslim to be on reality show so we'll talk a little bit about that and then after that we have got uh, Miami Beach Councilman Michael Gungara calling in In Florida there have uh, been four anti-LGBT bills introduced in Tampa this past week to overturn all the local sexual orientation discrimination ordinances in the state of Florida and to ban transgender people from accessing health care in Florida It's, it's just a mess so we'll be talking to Michael about what the people in Miami uh, and Tampa are doing to beat back these anti-LGBT bills. And then finally, at the end of the show, Reverend Denise Barnes is coming back. She's been on the show before. She is the pastor at the United Methodist Church, which is at Hollywood and Highland here in Los Angeles. Big red ribbon on the steeple. And currently LGBT issues have called this, caused a schism in that denomination, splitting the church into many parts, mostly with uh, Methodist Church in Africa and Asia breaking off into traditional segments, whereas the United States Methodist Church is being more progressive and accepting of LGBT going in another direction. And Denise, being an open lesbian, is in the middle and at the heart of that debate. So, look forward to hearing from her. So, without further ado, gang, let's start off the top of the show. It's January 17th, 2020, by welcoming our first guest, uh, Yower Charlie. Hi, John. Welcome, Yower. (laughs) Thank you you for having me. Of course, good to have you on the show. Listening Impossible, what is it?
1: Yes, so, Listening Impossible is a show on CNBC, and uh, it is based on the work of our team, which is the Aaron Kerman Group and we are the top sales team in California, number 10 in the country. And we're known for going in and selling homes that are are challenging. And uh, the premise of the show is that we go into homes that have either been sitting on the market, haven't sold or have uh, some sort of issue behind them, potentially uh, an issue with the seller, and we come in, repackage, remarket, retool, and then relaunch the home in hopes that it sells.
0: Yeah. Okay, I watched the first show because it was on this weekend. You Mm -hmm. were coming. I thought, okay, I better get up to date on what this (laughs) is all about. It was more than that. It was about, you know, some of these uh, sellers being just stubborn, opinionated, bullheaded, uh, feeling like they didn't have enough, weren't enough, couldn't do it. It was more, to me, about the psyche of what goes on and how your task is to get some of these people into the space called reality.
1: (laughs) Well, it's true. I mean, what's nice about this show is that it really gives the viewer... Um, a bird's eye view of exactly what happens when you are selling a home Um, and it's not you know it's not made up it's not trumped up it's it's very what you see is what you get and oftentimes it is the seller's journey because they start off at a certain place there's a reason that these homes haven't sold and then we're able to take them kind of on this ride and hopefully end with the house being sold and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but either way you see everybody's journey and process yeah
0: Speaking of journeys, good segue, good segue, because I've known you for a very long time. <laughs> a long time. A long time, since you were the manager, I think, at Abbey, weren't you? No, 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 no. no. Oh, no Before no, no. that,
1: oh, oh, go um, at Felt. Do you remember Felt? Felt? Oh, my God, yes. David
0: Cooley's Felt on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, yeah it was actually Tyler Roebuck. Who, no,
1: oh, no, 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 no sorry, that was, that was, that was, i can't that was eye candy. Eye candy. Clearly, yeah. I've shaken way too many cocktails <laughs> in West Hollywood in a past life. Um, no, we, I went from Felt to, uh, I was one of the managers at Here Lounge for Here Lounge. years. Here Lounge, Pat
0: Rogers, Here yeah, Lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then- Awesome, yeah. um, uh, Tyler and I opened up Eye Candy, right, and did Logo's first TV Which was, show. Yeah,
0: that was a reality show about opening a gay bar in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what's unique about you? Yeah, okay. So my producer over here, the darling Jason, love of my life, I see him every Friday. <laughs> yes, we have M- a good time week every, week, every week. <laughs> is Muslim. He's uh, a Muslim from a Lebanese family, uh, and uh, so it's rare to be Muslim, but to be gay and Muslim is even rarer. It is. It right? adds a it adds a complication, and you know, my my my, my journey, if you will,
1: is is a. Very very unique one in that um, I grew up in San Francisco in a very conservative Muslim family. Pa- Pakistani, right? Pakistani, pa- yeah. Pa- and, you know, everyone prays five times a day. And, and what was great about it, though, is when you grow up in San Francisco, you get a very interesting perspective. It's very a community feeling. I mean, my family would go to gay pride parades when I was, you know, 10 years old, but it was because it was a community celebration. And so, in that respect, they were very open and, and welcoming. And, um, you know, for me, it was just sort of a progression kind of it, that, that's just sort of how it worked I, I was never anything other than my kind of authentic self and then you know but when you're in the Muslim culture and I'm sure your producer will be able to, to give a little <laughs> advice on this I
0: learned all um, about fasting right. and Ramadan well and even, and <laughs> even
1: more than that I was, I was going to say um, kind of just sort of on a surface level you know if you are a boy of a certain age you get you know everywhere you go you get introduced to your potential new wife oh Um, because you're to have
0: procreate right exactly Jason you going up against that you're young and attractive not
2: yet but there's going to be a certain point where they're going to want to line up a bunch of women (laughs) for me we'll see how that goes I
1: I would say like it's so funny like at every religious event or holiday function or family function or marriage or anything you know it's like you get like I'm like a a pretty pony that they just sort of take around and kind of get bids on. <laughs> um, and then eventually, you know, obviously I got married in a very public way. On the It was the Grammy Awards. Oh, the Grammys, the Grammys. that's right. Yeah, yeah, during Macklemore and Ryan Lewis's number. And then Queen Latifah came out. She was ordained for the day. And then Madonna came out and sang, open your heart. And so when we did that, I remember, because <laughs> I wore traditional Pakistani clothing and it had such a huge effect kind of globally.
0: What is that garment called again? Uh,
1: it-, it was called the Korta. Korta, okay. And uh, I, the first call I got from my, my, my family was like, well, everybody knows now. And then we, <laughs> and we're so disappointed. Um, well, it was never a secret, but it's just, you know, again, Muslim cultures, you don't talk about these things. That's why when people watch the news and they're they're like, oh, homosexuality doesn't exist in our country. It's just because they don't talk about it. It's right. not a topic that comes up. Right. And so, when that happened with the Grammy Awards, and we did it in such a public way, we, the outpour we got, I got more emails from, from Middle Eastern countries about how exciting it was for them to watch, because it's not something that they could even Legally contemplate that is amazing. Homosexuality is illegal in some of those places, and so it gave him hope, which was really nice.
0: When we come back, we'll be talking more to Yara Charlie about those experiences growing up gay and Muslim here and around the world. And want to thank you for tuning in here on Channel Q. This
1: episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: And we're talking about homes and housing because we've got Yower Charlie in the studio today, talking about his new reality show, listing impossible, but also about the fact that uh, he's a gay Muslim. And you know, I think for a lot of because I've had um, other gay Muslims come in and out of the studio, and every and it's very it, it's a common experience yet uniquely culturally different between mm-hmm. maybe Pakistanis and people from uh, Israel and people from Iraq, Iran. Uh, for you, I imagine when you are walking into a Bar people look at you if they don't know if they're not familiar with the diversity that is around Los Angeles they probably start speaking to you in Spanish I was gonna I was gonna take <laughs> my joke oh, I was dad. gonna say ¿Cómo estás Ah oh, there you go yeah <laughs> you, no, you the, look
1: like my people right exactly no I, I the first comer- when I used to be an actor the first commercial I ever did was in Spanish are you serious Yeah all the time if 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 I don't have a beard and I'm walking around people think I'm like Mediterranean yeah I get Greek a lot right. Um, depending on how dark the beard is that's when it gets a little further Middle Eastern yeah I imagine
0: the, the thicker your beard the more likely the TSA is going to stop you at the oh airport oh don't even get me started
1: <laughs> I know I it happens stories. to me too like the thicker I grow my facial yeah. hair I get stopped and ironically the only place I don't get stopped is going to Mexico <laughs> or, coming in, or leaving Mexico I swear to god it's hilarious you know because my, my husband is, is white and so he'll get stopped leaving right. mexico i won't i'm like now you know how it feels <laughs> reverse discrimination. Welcome to my world
0: so when you were a little <laughs> gay kid and you're being brought up in muslim culture and there's all this cultural pressure about you're going to marry you're going to have children this is how you are successful as a pocket i mean what's happening in your head
1: um, you know what? The, I, I, my, my situation is, is very interesting because there was no trauma. There was no you know, major aha moment. There was nothing. I mean, I was dating girls uh, all the way through college and my kind of sexual evolution sort of happened there. But it was very like, okay, this is, this is what's happening now. Wow. And it was not, um, Only
0: in San Francisco. Is that a <laughs> lot of people say that,
1: but you know what? I didn't meet my first openly gay person until I got to college, at least that I was aware of. Huh. Um, but the nice thing where I grew up, and I went to—this uh, is even better, and everyone always asks for some hot stories, which I have none, by the way, so <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, I went to an all-boys Jesuit prep school. And then I went to a Jesuit college, so like everyone's like, "Ooh, tell us about high school." And I'm like, "Nothing." I mean, seriously, it was it was the most innocent childhood possible, which hmm. was really great. But my point is that when when kind of sexuality came into the picture, it was like, "Okay, this is what's happening now, and this is how I feel," and I just sort of went with it. So it wasn't a major, "Oh my god, what's happening with my life?" Because I didn't know which direction it was really going to go. And then, um, you know, I met I met my uh, a long term boyfriend that I had, and then I'm married. A man. And so I'm like, this is where my life is. Right. And that was that.
0: So, I mean, a lot of the major cities where LGBT people have often called home, Los mm-hmm. Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Miami, Chicago, are becoming unaffordable. I mean, there's a real affordability crisis. There is. In a lot of LGBT meccas. So I think a lot of LGBT people still want to live in these places, Correct. yet struggle to find that first starter home, thinking if I have to buy my first home, it's going to be out in the burbs somewhere.
1: And, you know, here, this is what I always tell people, and and especially uh, LGBTQ folks, is that a home is the best investment you're ever going to make. It's the most solid investment. It's the most secure investment. And it's the only investment that really sort of you can count on paying you back, meaning that if you're paying $3,000 a month in rent, you're basically burning it. If you took that $3,000 and were able to apply it to a mortgage, you'd have a tax deduction, so you'd have that savings. You're paying towards principal, so really it's almost like a forced savings account, if you think of it that way. So that way, when you go to sell it, you know that you have a certain amount of equity, you've had a tax deduction, so you have savings there, and you're putting your money to work. So it's really just wrapping your head around the process and making it that it's not so, uh, so much of a terrorizing thing or so something so overwhelming, which is why I always tell folks, work with someone who has experience, work with someone who has a good track record, who can handhold you through this. Because when you're a first time home buyer, sometimes you need that and you want to go to someone who has the resources to help you and specifically for LGBTQ people. It's really good to work with someone who understands that when you sit down with a same-sex couple, their tax returns might look different, and you you know you have to work with a financial uh, mortgage broker who understands those differences. Sometimes in certain areas, there's discrimination, you know, and and John, you know this. I mean, when you apply for an apartment, sometimes there's a reason that there's a Fair Housing Act because people were discriminated against. Mm-hmm. So it's really just education and understanding like how they can do it and not being afraid of it. Now because a lot of gay centers like you said tend to be on the pricier side that you have to just, I don't want to say get over it, but you just kind of have to accept the fact that if you want to live in a city and those cities that you mentioned, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, it does come at a premium. Does there need to be more affordable housing? Absolutely. But if you wait to that moment to happen, then you're really, like I said, every month just burning money. Get into something, because there's a lot of loans that are available right now. Our interest rates are almost at a historic low again. And there's a lot of programs that people can get into that they don't even know about. And mm-hmm. and all you have to do is take the first step.
0: Mm-hmm. When you were a young... Uh, youngin in San Francisco a young'un transitioning from straight dating girls to gay boys yeah. would you always live by yourself or did you live in a communal group of young people N- well no I, it, was a, it was sort of a communal
1: group P- probably the other reason that it was so seamless for me is because I, I have a degree in theater and so the theater group and family kind of became sort of like a, a chosen family if you will but mm. um, I always had roommates and then when I went to grad school again had had housemates Uh, But once I moved to L.A., you know, I moved down here with my best friend, and when he Left to go back to San Francisco. I've lived on my own ever since. Oh, so the only way you're living with me is if you're married to me now.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that's it. That's so funny. <laughs> when I when I first moved out, I moved in with two women. This is kind of like when Three's Company just hit the the airwaves. <laughs> I was doing it in real life, and they, of course, figured out I was gay before I did. So I'm trying to date girls. No. and Yes. And no. I, and they're like, honey, this is not going to work. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? But she's so pretty. Yeah. Uh, but she's a she. Yes. And, yes. And they were very gentle and pushing me, pushing me in the right direction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, back back in my Disneyland days when I was working in the seventies. That was a long time ago. Please post those photos. Yeah, thank God there were no iPhones <laughs> back in the seventies. Where were you in the seventies, Jason? Yeah, not e- here. Exactly. Exactly. Same. Same. <laughs> <laughs> this show. Okay, I already have a crush on one of the guys in the show. I sent you a text. Yes. What's his name? Jason. <laughs> no. No. Lewis. 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 I have a crush Lewis on Lewis. Edmund. I don't. You don't have to tell me his sexuality. Doesn't matter. He's he's a beautiful. I think it's really the interesting. Part of the show. You got beautiful people, beautiful actors or realtors, and these beautiful homes and beautiful places. Right. It's kind of a, I mean, I'm, I'm watching the, the selling prices, 14000000 million, 10 million. I'm thinking, most people can't afford this. But I imagine it's just more zeros, is what it is. The trauma that people are going through is, is the, the same. same, whether it's $100,000 or $100 million. Yeah,
1: I always say that it's as much work and effort to sell a $400,000 condo as it is a $4 million house because mm. it means something to the person who owns it, you know, at the end of the day, this is an investment they made. It's the biggest investment most people ever make in their life. And it's, it's, um, an emotional experience. So you have to honor all of those things and know when you go into it that, that no matter the price point, um, you have to treat everybody the same way with the same respect, with the same um, courtesy, and, with the, and knowing that this is a major moment for them.
0: I, I, I want to go back to your culture for just a second. Sure. So you're in Los Angeles, you know, huge megapolis. I imagine you run into people from, formerly from Pakistan, or from neighboring India, and that are also LGBT. Is there any sort of affinity that happens when you meet expats from... Would you be surprised if I said that's not the case?
1: It's yes. really sort of funny. I don't, like, I don't. Um, I have one really good friend. His name is Khalid. Um, he might be listening. Um, but uh, he is from India. He's also Muslim. Um, but that's really it. I mean, there's, I don't know. I'm sure they're here. I No one, I haven't heard, I haven't met any.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've met more uh, Pakistanis, you Indians. Than have than you have. have. Yeah. I, you know what?
1: I don't doubt it. It's kind of like one of those, um, you know, my friend group kind of all look the same. I'm, I'm always the token Ethnic person Dark skinned right? Dark haired yeah. person yeah. Exactly yeah, yeah. So I don't know why That worked out that way It just sort of did Yeah
0: Chris Bowen Who we had on the show A few weeks ago A gay guy from India uh-huh. Very dark He gets talked to, talk to In Spanish all the time too Oh my god all the time <laughs> Yes Alright we gotta wrap it up If people want to learn more About Listing Impossible this Is their what, there a website? There is So you can go to
1: CNBC.com Slash Listing Impossible um, And you can also Find a lot of clips uh, From the show And information about the cast On that site You can also find me on Instagram, at Yower Charlie, which is Y-A-W-A-R-C-H-A-R-L-I-E, um, and, or just Google me, because there's so much good stuff.
0: Oh, okay. There you go, okay. <laughs> Yowie, thanks for coming on this thank show. Thank you for having always. me, and
1: please watch the show Wednesday nights at 7 p.m.
0: on CNBC. Wednesday nights. Thank you very much. Gang, when we come back, we'll be talking to Council Member Michael Gungara from Miami Beach about what terrible things are happening in Florida, here on Channel Q I can't interrupt that, Jason. <laughs> Bette Midler singing Only in Miami makes me want to dance it's in catchy. the studio. It's really catchy. I love Only in Miami, <laughs> Bette Midler. We, we were playing Only in Miami because our next guest is calling in from Miami Beach, the Honorable Michael Gungara. Michael, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how's it going? Good. We're so good to see you again. When, when we were broadcasting live out of Miami, uh, you came into the studio. We had a chance to meet. I think that was last year, the year before. So good to have you back on the show.
4: Thank you. Thank you. we got important things happening in Florida. we yeah. got to wake the country up and let them know what's happening here.
0: What is going on? The Florida Republicans have introduced a handful of anti-LGBT bills in the last week before session. What, what would the bills do? What, tell us what's going on.
4: I mean, it's kind of crazy, John. They waited to the last day to file these four coordinated bills, of course, all filed by Republicans, senators, and representatives. That really seem to be the biggest attack we've seen on LGBTQ rights in Florida. The bills, amongst other things, would legalize the controversial practice of gay conversion therapy, something that we're trying to eliminate. Another bill would imprison doctors for up to 15 years if they were to provide certain types of transition-related medical care to transgender youth. A lot of them, there's a great fear that would roll back all of the local government LGBT protections that we've passed over the years, so we're really concerned that at Miami Beach, of course, one of the most progressive communities in Florida, and we have local ordinances that protect against conversion therapy. We have local ordinances that protect the LGBTQ population in housing and employment and public accommodations. But we don't want the state coming and preempting these these protections And unfortunately, Florida has just been, as we've seen, a weird swing state with a bit of a disconnect between the south and the north a Republican-controlled House and the Senate that seem um, interested this session in uh, taking away LGBTQ protections.
0: Well, that was my question. So you've got a, a legislature, the House and the Senate are both controlled by the Republicans, and you have a Republican governor. So how do you stop these uh, bills from moving forward in the legislative process?
4: Well, you know, we have Equality Florida, which is our state LGBTQ group up there fighting, fighting, fighting. They actually put out a message yesterday that I saw that they believe, at least in one of the bills, House Bill 3, that they were able at committee to take out uh, the portion which would have rolled back local protections against conversion therapy. So that's one win on one bill, but we're going to have to keep fighting these bills one by one as they go through. Through the various committees and convince these senators and representatives that it's wrong and and you know what makes it worse john this also comes at a time where we're really fighting for the first time to pass florida's competitive workforce act if this passed and this is the year that it's had the most sponsors from both representatives and senators, even Republicans, um, which would statewide prohibit discrimination in Florida on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in housing, employment and public accommodations. So on Wednesday at our Miami Beach Commission meeting, while the mayor and I were passing a resolution from our city to support that, apparently on the last day that bills could be filed, you had these eight Republican leaders filing bills that would do the exact opposite. Opposite. So it's going to be a very interesting legislative session this year in Florida.
0: Let me ask, do they do the same thing on abortion rights or, or is it just LGBT? Is that going to be because a lot of times these bills, they're not, not introduced because of their merit. They're introduced because of their political value in upcoming campaigns. And we're entering an election year. So I think some of this may be geared towards rallying up the base to help keep Republicans in power or elect more of them.
4: Well, Absolutely. Florida, we have our elections at the state office in even years. So yes, 2020 is an election year. Primaries take place in August, uh, general election in November. So it is believed that these senators and representatives that come from pretty conservative, strong Republican footholds are probably trying to raise some money, uh, spark the base, stir up the base, get them excited. I'm hopeful that these bills may be a discussion item, but that eventually we'll be able through the committee process to water them down or kill them altogether. Um, I think it's wrong. I don't care if you're trying to raise money. I don't care if you're trying to spark up the base. It's wrong to to take... 10 steps back from where we've managed to come. And while they've allowed the Florida Competitive Workforce Act to be the main topic of conversation thus far during committee weeks, they came out with this last-minute surprise for our community. So I plan on going up to Tallahassee at some point as well and representing Miami Beach and fighting against this. And hopefully reasonable minds will prevail. because. You know, there are Republicans elected in South Florida, in Dade, Miami-Dade County, and Broward County, so hopefully we'll be able to find some some people to help us.
0: Well, you know, I remember, I'm old enough to remember a time when conservatives believed in local control, that local control, keep government closest to the people by letting local government pass laws to protect their communities, and and the state and the federal government should be deferential to local control. And, and we have that turned on its head here, because we've got Tampa— a Attempting to overturn local ordinances that Miami-Dade or or other communities across Florida have sought uh, to protect their LGBT citizens. So it's upside down. Makes no sense to me.
4: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's not just in LGBTQ legislation. This is something we fight in Miami Beach all the time. Like California, we're a big state. Um, Not everybody in the South has the same views as people in the North. Communities are different. And I'm completely in favor of local control because the local electeds understand their community and what's good for them. Besides these terrible new anti-LGBTQ bills, we're fighting in Miami Beach every year. The state is trying to preempt local government from being able to enact ordinances with regard to short-term rentals, something that's become problematic in Miami Beach and some other resort towns where a lot of people would like to turn their homes into short-term rentals and derive all that extra income, but then not really oversee them properly, causing headaches and drama for their neighbors. So we have our own local ordinances restricting and regulating short-term rentals. And we're also fighting a new bill at the state that we fight every single year to take that power away from us Um, another bill that we've become progressive on in miami beach we banned plastic straws and we're looking to have a full plastic ban throughout our city but every year mostly republican legislators come forward and pass some other bill to try to preempt us from being able to regulate plastics Fortunately, last year, the governor vetoed the bill, which would have prevented us from restricting plastic straws. But there's other plastic restrictions and preemptions in place. This is par for the course every year during the state legislative session in Florida.
0: Mm. Michael, can you hang on for another segment? We're going to go go to commercial. We'll be right back, gang. We're talking to Michael Gunga about what's happening in the state of Florida against the LGBT community. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. The overly attractive Enrique Iglesias moving to Miami. We're talking to Michael Gungara from the Miami Beach City Council. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thank you. You know, I was noticing as I was preparing, because I knew you were coming on, and I want to be a little prepared, so I read a bit about the bills that are happening in Tampa, but turns out there is a slew of anti-trans bills that have been introduced besides Florida and Arkansas, Illinois, Missouri, New Hampshire, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas, all attacking the transgender community and their physicians, trying to interfere in the physician-patient relationship. It just makes me think that the trans people are the new Willie Horton of the this campaign season. They're the they're the official boogeyman uh, for the right wing in America.
4: I'm sorry, I lost you for a second. Could you repeat that?
0: Yeah, no, I'm just talking about how trans people have become the new boogeyman uh, for the far right in terms of having a target to pick for election purposes.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, unfortunately, that's the nature of politics. When people are coming up for re-election, they try to stir up the base, stir up the base with all kinds of laws that might be harmful without really thinking through the implications for the whole state It's some sad state of politics right now when it's become more about gamesmanship for a lot of people than actually good public policy yeah
0: I love your state I despite all the despite every time we have an election I shake my head and go Florida why why again Florida uh, besides <laughs> reacting that way I do love going to your state and I do love going to Miami Beach and I love Orlando and many great places so t- tell, tell us what what's happening in the upcoming months for LGBT people and and our straight friends uh, in the south part of Florida.
4: Yeah, well, I think you love visiting us because of all the hot Latinos we have
0: Yes, of course. Yes, Queen.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we have a number of exciting things for people that are interested in visiting us. First of all, uh, the Super Bowl is here in Miami and Miami Beach again, and every artist is going to be here performing, including Lady Gaga and Lizzo and a whole slew of celebrities hosting events and parties God, leading sweet. up to the big game with J-Lo and Shakira and Demi Lovato doing the national anthem so Miami Beach is going to be amazing during Super Bowl weekend but immediately after that Th- that's the the beginning show. of we're March all, we're all... we have one of my favorite weekends which is the winter party which happens the first week of March um, when it's still relatively cold everywhere else the weekend of March 6th through the 8th it is one of our very famous well known LGBT weekends we have parties on the beach we We have performers, we have fun, and we also extend hours that weekend so that our nightlife can make a little bit more money and people can get in a couple of extra hours of fun. I'm really excited about what's happening the following month in April. We are having our Gay Pride, which is going to be better than ever. It has expanded from what was a weekend to a three-day, now I believe it's supposed to be a week-long event. We haven't announced yet, but we are going to have some exciting headliners leading up to the big parade day which will be on sunday april 5th the first weekend in april so those of you that are thinking about a good time to maybe come visit florida and hopefully visit miami beach you may want to consider winter party the first weekend in march or miami beach gay pride the first weekend in april
0: that, that sounds amazing. You know, the Super Bowl, of course, is that annual event where all the gays watch the halftime show and don't even know who, who the players are. That, that's what I call the Super Bowl.
4: Right. Well, we're waiting to find out still who exactly is going to be in the game. But they've definitely added something for everybody. Miami Beach is a partner with the Super Bowl committee this year. And on our beach itself, the sand, what we call Loomis Park, the area in front of Ocean Drive, they're building Super Bowl City. So there's going to be stages where there's going to be musical performances. There's going to be interactive daytime things for people that are maybe a little bit more active than me that want to go through obstacle courses and real kind of sportsman-like activities, sporty activities, I should say. Um, and there's going to be lots of football players. I mean, every I feel every weekend I'm getting another invite about some football player-related event happening in Miami Beach leading up to the game. game. One that I'm going to be involved in on Wednesday, January 29th, which will be right before the game, we're going to have Pro Football Hall of Famer Chris Carter at Bodega South Beach, a real fun spot. Uh, doing an event for a good cause, the Gift of Life, uh, which is where they match your you know, your bone marrow in case you be, are a possible match to somebody that needs it. And Chris is going to be there and we're going to be honoring him that day. But there's events every night. I mean, Every time I turn on my email, I mean, everyone wants to be part of Super Bowl this year. Even Miss Paris Hilton has decided to come and host some celebrity party uh, former famous New York Patriot Rob Gronk has taken over the northern part of the city of Miami Beach to Gronk Beach have no idea what that's going to be exactly, but every invite has him shirtless, so it looks fun to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I don't know a thing about anything to do football. I'm looking at my heterosexual producer. I bet. Do you know anything about Super Bowl? No, he did not know. No, I don't. <laughs> we're gonna. We're completely. We're looking forward to the halftime show of to Shakira. Me, I'm
2: just like you guys. I look forward to the entertainment, and the halftime show, or I'll go to the gym because yeah. it's completely
4: well, empty. Not, who doesn't like <laughs> Jennifer Lopez and Shakira? I mean, talk about a hot. Latino, hey. real Miami-based act to have these two ladies performing together. It's going to be fun. Even if you don't like football, you're going to have to tune in to watch them perform.
0: You know, for half a second I thought, now why is Miami Beach having gay pride in April? Don't they know Stonewall happened in June? And then I thought, oh yeah, I've been in Miami in June. It is unbearably
4: yeah, June's hot June's a little wet. hot here, and yeah. we don't want to compete with all the bigger cities that traditionally do their prides at the end of June. So, we like to kick off the season while it's still a little cool everywhere else and that first weekend in april seems to to really get people excited and get them here there's not a lot happening in the lgbt community as far as prides and parties and things of that nature so i think we've secured our spot as the kickoff pride at the beginning of april so come be a part of it
0: awesome michael thank you for joining us again on the sidebar my friend i hope to see you soon Thank you. Likewise. Come and visit. I will. Thank you so much. Gang, when we come back, we'll be talking to Reverend Denise Barnes about the schism in the Methodist Church here on Channel Q. For those of you at home wondering how I went from Shakita to here I am, Lord, (laughs) that's in honor of our next guest.
2: I mean, it's an easy transition, (laughs) right? easy transition, (laughs) exactly, Jay.
0: (laughs) We've got Reverend Denise Barnes on from the United Methodist Church. Welcome back, Denise. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs) Good to have you back again. You are, you know, here you are. I I just, I love having you here, by the way. I love your energy and all. And I keep, every time I read in the papers that the Methodists are going through another horrible angst, chapter in their history I think oh I wonder how Denise is doing (laughs) I always think about just like oh you know what I need to bring her back to see how she's doing what's happening the church has decided formally to split so
3: last year there was um, a special general conference and a decision was made by the general conference that we would double down on the um anti-LGBT um, stuff that's in our book of discipline. So the punishments are harsher, it's easier to bring complaints against LGBT clergy or clergy who perform same-gender w- uh, marriages. Mm. And um, people that bring the complaints are now able to say whether or not they feel a just resolution has been found or not. So mm. yeah, it's made life a lot harder. We have a general conference coming up again in May this year and a new protocol has just been released. It's called a protocol. I don't really know that that's the right name for it, but it's a suggested way forward. Um, for the church which um, basically allows the um, the people that are more traditional that, that believe that homosexuality is a sin to take their property and their churches and leave us and we give them about $25 million on top of that and the rest of the church to remain and regroup and become a regional conference here in the United States of America mm. um, where probably 75-76% of the vote would go towards removing that language from the Book of Discipline.
0: So it, it's interesting Interesting because, of course, uh, diversity is a celebrated value in the Methodist church, but it seems like that diversity now with countries in Africa and Asia where there's a proscription against homosexuality seems to be working against LGBT people, ironically.
3: Uh, exactly that, yes. we So we, um, we expanded the church into those areas. We taught them that homosexuality was a sin, and now that's coming back to bite us because yeah, those that. churches are growing, and, and in the U.S. we're declining.
0: Right. Right.
3: So hence the reason to make the U.S. a regional conference so that we can make our own decisions about our own book of discipline, as they already can in those areas.
0: Mm. Some of the Methodist churches uh, are even here, though, in Southern California. Aren't there some that are more traditional in nature?
3: Yes, absolutely. Same. Certain cultures, mm. certainly the um, more traditional type cultures. The,
0: Chinese, um, I read uh, Chinese. Korean, uh, Chinese, Korean.
3: Asian cultures, mm. and, and some Hispanic cultures, too. Um, so, yeah, there are churches here that may not... We may not end up being in a, a global church with come May this year.
0: Mm. And you know, it's kind of sad because I think the Me- what I know about the Methodist Church, I know a little, not a lot, you obviously know a lot more. That unity of the body has been really important, I think, to the Methodists to keep everybody together if possible. And-
3: That's right. And I've been doing listening posts across our annual conference, the California Pacific Annual Conference. And the underlying theme is we're proud of being a part of a global church that is such a large denomination and has such amazing organizations like the United Methodist Women, which is the biggest women's organization in the, in the country, and um, the UMCOR, which provides relief in disaster. And people are so proud of being a part of that and really want to find a way of being together. And, and we had this great opportunity to show the world how to be together despite our differences but I don't think that's going to happen. It's just gone on too long now.
0: That's a shame. You know, I I know we've had a diversity of people on this show over the past year from various religions and denominations, and I've had some listeners, you know, stop me in the street and say, don't even bother with religion. You can't bother with religion. They're never going to accept us. And I'm like, but that's not true. There are religions that do accept us, and there is a religious left to balance out the religious right, and you have to kind of get in there and fight pew by pew, almost.
3: You do, because, you know, whether this, this going forward is is going to happen and it's got to go a long way yet before it becomes law um, in our church um, there are churches like us that um, like Hollywood United Methodist Church where I'm, I'm a pastor where all are truly welcome and we celebrate that diversity and love and um, it's not even a thing you know it's just we are who we are mm-hmm. and and um, we have to we have to fight for that we have to fight for those people that have been so badly hurt by the church
0: mm. and when i th- and i think about the jesus guy i'm pretty cool with the jesus guy by the way i <laughs> think he was the coolest because he was a radical he was a rebel they actually crucified him for being rebellious against the church of right. the day right? right i mean ultimately yeah. but he all often told stories about diversity the good samaritan people in samaria were despised so the whole notion of putting good goodness on somebody who was despised at that time, you know, I think was an important lesson he was trying to teach about diversity, tolerance, acceptance. Right,
3: exactly, and and understanding that the the greatest commandment of all is to love one another as as to love God, and to love one another as you love yourself, you know, and to, to everybody is our neighbor, and we should be reaching out and loving everybody.
0: Yeah, and he hung out with some pretty controversial folks, prostitutes, lepers, tax collectors, Right. I mean, he kind of set the standard, you know. Uh, Yeah, he did, (laughs) he did,
3: you know, and what's interesting is that um, he didn't consider homosexuals to be part of that group because it's not mentioned anywhere in the Bible? That
0: no, it wasn't until Paul came around. <laughs> Paul, Paul, 80 years later, started to write about homosexuality. It caused all this drama for the LGBT people. Exactly. How is it, I mean, is there any tension about being a woman leader in the Methodist church, or is that pretty much accepted Uh, these days?
3: Not in the Methodist church, no. Um, Although I did an article, um, a news report for RT News, um, and the comments on that have been very extreme, and some of them even have said, you know, a woman pastor, how is that even a thing? Really? Yeah.
0: In 2020. Right. Right. Oh, that is crazy. You know, we had uh, Rabbi Denise Eger was here a couple of oh, months I ago. Guess I know, Denise. She is amazing right. and of course she's risen to a great place of leadership in yes. the Jewish community and uh, to to even question can a woman. I actually think of the two genders that women are far more compassionate and understanding than those of us sitting over on this side of the gender,
5: hey, hey I'm looking at you. I'm
0: looking at you, Bob. <laughs> Not you specifically. But
3: <laughs> That's the thing. We're all beloved children of God, and we all have something of um, to con- contribute. You know, And we have Bishop Karen Olivetto, who's an out lesbian, the first out lesbian bishop in our, com- in our church. And um, she also is a huge leadership and inspiration to many. That's awesome.
0: Gang, we're talking to Reverend Denise Barnes. When we come back, more about oh, religion and LGBT people here on Channel Q. Another traditional Methodist song, How Great Thou Art. Oh, well, every time I play these songs, Denise, you kind of get really happy and mean. You picked two of my favorite hymns and I didn't Did even we? tell you them. Oh my so, God, yeah. I love that, yeah. that that worked out. You see, God is at work. <laughs> we are talking to Reverend Denise Barnes, the pastor at Hollywood United Methodist Church. And, uh, you know, it's obvious from your accent that you are not from the Bronx.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> And clearly. not from Atlanta. <laughs> I grew up in England. Yes, but, it's
0: very, yeah. very clear. And, and uh, I just have to ask, because we were talking about during the break and since I have an English person in the studio now, uh prince uh, uh prince harry and meghan deciding in essence to walk away from power privilege wealth to uh start the, do their own family thing
3: right right and and you know i admire them for having the courage to do that it, because it takes a lot of courage to walk away from everything you've been raised to to stand for and to be a part of Um, I'm a little disappointed with the way it was done Hmm. you know the Queen has been the Queen for a long time and and I think is, is an incredible woman and I think for them to release it without her permission or her um, her input into how it was going to roll out was was a little disrespectful of them. Mm, mm. So I was disappointed in that. But uh, good luck to them, you know. And and hopefully they will be agents of change.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. For, for now, were you alive when Princess Diana died? I'm looking at you, Jason. I'm not even sure you were.
2: I don't. Princess think Diana so. died
0: in the 90s. right? Oh yeah. my god. Or maybe I,
2: I was just too young. You to were a, think a child. were, probably you were a little. child. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Uh, Princess Diana was. Hounded by the media right. and the paparazzi, she couldn't take a breath. Right, without she people on yeah. her back, and it ultimately—I think—that's how she. She was trying to get away from the paparazzi in Paris and got in an accident and died. So I think Mm -hmm. Prince Harry uh, watched his mother die from the media around her all the time. And he's probably, I'm sure that was traumatizing as a child. Of course, he was so wanted to protect his wife and his new son.
3: Right, and his new life. And, and, you know, so go for it. I don't blame him for that in any way. And he does some amazing work. I mean, he really is his mother's child and does some incredible work. So I hope this gives him the freedom and the opportunity to go ahead and continue doing that.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, we we talk we talk often about religion on the show because a lot of our opposition is the religious right. But there are people center and left that are doing incredible work for LGBT people. Maybe for those people listening at home, going, John, what are you? Are you lost your mind? Why are you playing these Jesus songs and religion? And I mean, this is LGBT programming. And is there an overlap between LGBT and Christianity this this week?
3: There is. Every single one of us is is um, a beloved child of God, whether we um, acknowledge that or not. And there is a place for every single one of us. There's a movement that has grown within the United Methodist Church called Resist Harm. Um, And it really has been established since the the punitive laws came into place. Um, So, for example, we did a resist harm event at our church on January 5th, where we took photos of of the whole church all together on the steps of the church, holding banners saying resist harm to LGBT people. And um, on February 15th, we're doing a vow celebration of... um, of those people who are in marriages or committed relationships with each other who would like around Valentine's to have a blessing on their their unions um, so that we can make sure everybody knows that God loves each and every one of them and they have value and input.
0: Hmm. Watching um, the current courting of Donald Trump by evangelicals, does that cause you any discomfort to, to watch the actions or words of the president and the evangelicals who, who seem to double down with him every week.
3: Yes, it does. Yes, of course, it worries me because to me, God is a God of love. And how can a God of love be so angry and and harmful to other people and exclusionary and not give everybody the same value? Hmm. So um, when you hear that from the president and from the people that are courting the president, of course, it, it sticks on us to uh, the more progressive side of Christianity and those people who believe everybody is of value and worth. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that, it, I gotta tell you, I, I asked you the question. Obviously, the answer was contained in the question. It makes me cringe. I just, I just, I cringe when. But this publication, um, uh, Evangelicals Today, called them out. Uh, yes. Call them out on it, and and apparently their subscription has increased tenfold since they did. So there's. I think there are Christians out there, even in the evangelical world, that. Are seeing the emperor has no clothes?
3: Uh, absolutely, I agree. And um, of course, for every in every organisation, you have the extreme right and the extreme left, and those people are valuable to you because they push you and force you into understanding what you believe and how you believe it and how you're going to live that out. Mm. Um, and that's the same for the for the far right and for the far left. There are those people in the middle that um, are are more a voice of, okay, how can we make this work for the most people? Mm -hmm. And um, I think they are. So those evangelical organizations have all those people in them too. Mm -hmm. And people that are true true Christians and followers of of the teachings of Jesus and and of showing the love of God in the world are the people that... um, that are called right now to stand up and, and speak out and show that love to everybody mm-hmm. so that by our actions people see us and say oh okay yeah God mm. loves us too mm. and mm. these people are showing me that
0: mm. you know I think the, the Quran and uh, the Bible uh, and uh, are, are the basis for obviously Muslims Jews and Christians alike Correct. and there are certain passages in each that have been used historically for harm But there are other passages in each that can be used for God.
3: Exactly, exactly. So we call those the clobber passages. because The, what? the clobber, clobber passages. Clobber, oh, okay. Because yes. they've been used to clobber people, right? <laughs> right? And, yeah. and, and to create yeah. harm to people. <laughs> yeah. um, but you've got to remember that the Bible was written when it was written, in the context in which it was written, and the fact that it was written by men. Mm. Um, so there's no other input in it. Very and, good
0: point. Uh, it was all men who wrote it, Correct. Right? Yeah. So
3: you have to remember that, and you have to understand that's the context, and that's what they knew it the time and um, now we know all of this we have science we have progress we understand a lot more and therefore we have to understand maybe that that the word God was inspiring then is is a different message for us now because of what we understand and our relationship with God now in today's context.
0: Mm, Very, very good point. I mean, there was actually a period of time when people thought the Earth was flat.
2: Correct. (laughs) If you got in a ship. I'm sure there's some people out there still still think, that. there are.
3: are.
0: That if you got in a ship and you sailed east or west, you would fall off the face of the Earth. They didn't understand, you know, the planetary system or the globe. They had no context in which to place it. So, why couldn't people Perceive or think that may be possible now.
3: Exactly, exactly. So, you know, the yeah. whole man lying with man thing. Back in those days, they they thought that the whole child was in the sperm, that it was just planted in the woman. The woman had nothing to do with it and that you were born with a set amount of sperm. And you didn't make any more. So, yeah, lying man with man would mean that the race wouldn't survive, right? Ah, because you so, weren't procreating. Exactly. It was going to waste. So, it's about survival. Mm,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: that's just one example of it.
0: Yeah. A, today, we have different science that tells us differently that, <laughs> exactly. than that. That exactly. is so, It's kind of like those TV commercials where they show the Neanderthals trying to get Joey to, to cross the with Ellen DeGeneres. Right, I yeah. laugh every time. Yeah. It's like, why don't we build a thing that we can, like, sail across to the island to get the bananas or the pineapples and then and come oh back. no you're crazy <laughs> and then he gets eaten by an octopus right, I, mean, right. I love that commercial i know how it ends every time but i love watching it because right. it's such an analogy to what's happening i think today around climate right you know about diversity and i think one of the things that's pushing the envelope is uh, instant communication so you know there was a time when we had boundaries and borders between cultures and if you wanted to understand for example muslims it was considered a very exotic trip to go to the middle east or to explore and if you did so you do so with great reverence and respect for the different culture I think that you were finding yourself placed in now with the internet and iPhones and social media and instant communication cultures and religion are clashing moment to moment to moment without any buffer
3: Right and the world is much smaller. Yeah. And we live in you know look at Los Angeles and the and the melting pot of people that live here. And we have to learn how to live with our culture with other people's culture and how to integrate that and mm. and and the biggest thing is we have to learn how to sit at a table with each other and have those conversations
0: that are difficult. Yeah. You know I tell people the highest form of intolerance is demanding that everybody be just like me.
3: Right. Just exactly. Like me. <laughs> well we've we've always done it that way and it's the right way and it works for me so everybody should do it that yeah. way <laughs> Yeah,
0: and, and, and of course I've had to use this within our own community right. uh, LGBT people in West Hollywood you gotta do something about all the straight people coming into West Hollywood and I'm like time out <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> those that demand equality must extend it Right? at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. So,
3: and that's my point with the, with the Methodist Church really is that if we want to say we have an open table, well a truly open table for everybody to sit at includes those people who don't want me to sit at their table. Mm. Because if I exclude them then I'm being just the same as they are. And that doesn't work for me at all.
0: People want to learn more about your Parish, uh, parish. See, I'm get, I went Catholic on you, Denise. <laughs> your, your church. Where would they go? Website.
3: Uh, yeah, we have a, a website: www.hollywoodumc.org. We have Facebook pages, Hollywood United Methodist Church, and Instagram, and you can follow us there. Um, and on Twitter too
0: I hope you'll come back during the break we talked about having you and Rabbi Eggers and maybe the the Muslim uh, representative all come on and we'll have all three major religions uh, duke it out three women three women
3: I think that would be powerful and wonderful
0: I I think it'd be great I don't think you'd duke it out at all I think you know it'd just be a love fest here but anyway (laughs) we'll do it nonetheless sounds great have a great weekend gang when we come back more here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q well gang we're just having fun here at the Channel Q on the sidebar. Uh, you know, anytime you can mix Shakira in with uh, Here I Am, Lord, on the same day. Yeah, we're shooting a thousand right It was
2: Jason? a seamless transition, John. <laughs> Loved it.
0: I love it, too. I, I got to tell you, I, uh, I watch. Uh, oh, okay. Here we go, Jason. This is one of these when I used to trudge through the snow Uh-oh. stories that you love. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Let's hear it, John. Let's okay, hear it. Right. Come on. So I, you know, I came out in the seventies. Yep, seventies <clears throat> before were, my time. You weren't <laughs> even a blip. Not even twenty years until you would come along after that. And, and in the seventies, we were perceived to be criminals. I mean, to be gay was criminal. See, that's that's confusing to me because back in those days,
2: wasn't everybody very free and loving? You know, it was the seventies, uh, right? Seventies.
0: It was about free to be yeah. you and me, uh, flower power. The children of the 60s, you know, revolutionizing. So
2: where's the acceptance and uh, all that?
0: Well, okay. So in, in their defense, because I was there when they were there, they were about changing the, the world. They were about changing the world. Hippies were all about so, counterculture. Okay. So part of the, the culture at the time, the 50s, mm-hmm. it was the 50s. It was like woman in kitchen, man in suit, man goes to war, right, to war, to work, man is the breadwinner, women is the homebody, kids do whatever dad says, father knows best. Yeah, those are the hardcore things. Times. Ooh,
2: yeah, I could. There's imagine. no
0: room in there for Jeez. LGBT lives right. in any any of that, and so a lot of my favorite drag shows, have, in, have included any portrayal of that time because it's funny now. If you right. if you see TV shows from the 50s, Father Knows Best or the Andy Griffith Show, I mean, it's just it's cringeworthy. It's like, oh my god, well, this what, is so uncomfortable.
2: There was a time though where like women couldn't be portrayed in theaters, right, and playing uh, female yeah. roles. Shakespearean right?
0: theater was all yeah. men. Exactly. Kabuki exactly. theater was all men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. like women weren't allowed to do any of that. So, so the, the counterculture that happened in the 60s mm-hmm. about women's equality, about the sexual revolution, uh, there was an opening for LGBT so
2: people. So in the 60s, that's when things started to transition.
0: Yes. And it, was a, and it was a response to the culture. I mean, after World War II, the whole world got blown asunder, right? Millions of people perished, sad right. genocides, affected the whole world. People came back in the 50s and started to set up homes. But, you know, women had been introduced to the workplace because Rosie the Riveter during World War II. <laughs> Rosie the <laughs> Riveter. <laughs> during World War II, as men went off to battle because women soldiers were very rare, there were, there were what are called There the, were women soldiers? There were. There were. Called wow. blacks, WACS, but as as the men went off to war in World War II, women were suddenly brought into the workplace to help make bombs and bullets. Wow! And yes, and so Rosie the Riveter, she would rivet the little nuts and bolts on the airplanes. Yeah, you know, suddenly women were in the workplace, and then oh, wow. when men came back from war, right. A lot of women were like, no, I like having my own paycheck, thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to have to get married. And uh, the whole idea of women's equality started, oh, got a boost, because obviously the mm. suffragettes have been around since the 1800s, fighting for women's right to vote, took a constitutional amendment. You right. know, the Equal Rights Amendment got its early stirring, still in battle today. Right. But, I mean, it's been this progression, and, and our opposition primarily has been organized religion. Mm. Yeah, because there's these ancient texts. There's know.
2: the extremists that take those ancient texts way yeah. too far.
0: Well, and and they use it to justify slavery. I mean, blacks uh, were considered back inferior. In the day. There is Old Testament language about yeah. you know respect your master, slave, right. stay in your your place, slave. And people actually use those parts of the Bible to justify slavery in the Deep South. Yeah, it's yeah, in the Bible. Yeah. yeah, it was awful. It was human trafficking. It was people being rounded up, primarily from Africa. And exported all over the world to do the work that others wouldn't do, people of privilege. And an entire mm-hmm. system was set up in the southern United States around cotton picking and slaves being brought in and families torn apart. I mean, the movie Harriet uh, is a great story, a line about that period of our hor- horrible period in our history. Yeah. And I mean, that happened, you know, it took a civil war to bring justice right. and to end slavery and put African Americans on the path towards equality. It's still out there. It's a continuing battle. Mm-hmm. So then I'm amazed that LGBT has gone so far in such a short period of time. But it ain't over yet. All right, when we come back, more here on the Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. Gang, welcome back. Of course, Jared Hill is up next and dropped the subject, and he happens to be in studio early. Welcome, Jared.
5: Yes, yes. Me and Ali, uh, we have a a big show. Fridays are always nice for us. They're a little bit calmer because you're here for two hours, and then we have a bit of a shorter show.
0: Very cool. And, you know, I have adopted your policy of uh, Trump-free Fridays.
5: But you're only here on Friday. I know, exactly. (laughs) How does that work? That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I like it. It's so hard, especially right now with impeachment, that trying to do Trump-free Fridays, it's like, I know, but the trial started last night. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, come on. So, yeah, it's hard. You got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What happened with Elizabeth Bernie? So... At the debates, OK, so first things first, uh, I'm hosting a new special, a new series of specials here on Channel Q uh, called Debate Night and Late Night with Jared Hill. So we, on Debate Night, we had Karen Oakham, mm. who's been here many Wonderful, times. Yep. Uh, we had Matthew Craffey from the California Log Cabin Republicans. And then we also uh, had Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There. And so we all kind of recapped the debate live on Friday night. If you're on the East Coast, it was really late night at midnight. <laughs> and if you're on the West Coast, it was at nine. And so we recapped the debates and there was this moment after the debate. I always say that the debates are never really about the substance of what people talked about. It's always about the style. It's always about like the moments that will go viral. And one of the moments that went viral was after the, the night. Uh, we see Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren having some kind of a conversation that looks contentious because there are hands moving around. Tom Steyer oddly standing off to the side. And you couldn't really tell what they were saying because their mics were off. Well, a day later, the audio comes in, and it was, you know, that the weeks prior, we've seen this contentious relationship um, right before the debate between Bernie and Elizabeth about Bernie having allegedly said that he didn't believe a woman could win in in 2020. And this clip that we're going to roll here, Abby Phillips from CNN asks Bernie Sanders about that, and he says he didn't. And you'll hear some laughter, and the laughter is a reaction to Bernie Sanders' face, like, didn't I just say I didn't say that? So let's take a listen. So... There's this completely weird exchange (laughs) between them, right? But, like, I keep saying, like, if I have to decide who I believe, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, I believe Elizabeth Warren. And this kind of affirms that for me because she rolled up on him afterwards and was like, did you just call me a liar on national television? (laughs) Which is not something you do if you're making the story up. You know what I mean? And Bernie was like, let's not talk about it right now. And then
0: Tom you Steyer do a comes great up. Bernie, man.
5: That's I a, think really, so. You do a really I good Bernie. I think it's Bernie. not bad. Uh, and then Tom Steyer comes up and is like, I just wanted to say hi, Bernie. It's like, what are you doing? You look like such a He was right.
0: the awkward kid in high school. I'm sure he was. I believe it. I, but he became a multi-billionaire, so it all worked out. It
5: all, it all balances <laughs> it all out. But I, I guess for you, I'm, I'm curious, what do you think about this whole conversation about civility within the party? Because I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think anyone has done anything that was like a bomb that was thrown right. big enough to where we can't recover from it, except with Bernie Bros. You know I what have get. been
0: through five elections on the West Hollywood City Council? Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Small town, hometown politics, they are brutal. Yeah. I mean, I I won't even tell you some of the stuff people have said. I'm sure. And then at the end of it, everyone's got to come back together. It's just the nature sometimes of politics, even
5: within people who agree. I'm... I don't think this is going to hurt the party, even though it is getting a little testy between the two of them. I feel like this is what primaries are like. Yeah. This is what election processes yeah. are like. And realistically, if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren can't stand through something like this, they yeah. might as well get out of the race. Yeah, because Donald, Donald Trump, Trump, Trump is going to eat them alive. Right. Exactly.
0: Thomas Jefferson called it the tumultuous sea of politics. Mm. Tumultuous sea, not the calm sea, exactly. not the placid lake. The tumultuous sea of politics. Yeah. I mean, people get passionate. Hopefully reason prevails, because if it's all passion, you're in trouble.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, you and I were talking just before we came back on the air, and we're like, we'll talk about it on the air. Yeah. I know that you're devastated that Kamala Harris is gone. I am. Kamala
0: is my candidate, mm.
5: and you're you you are a voter without a candidate.
0: I am at the moment. I'm one of those undecideds. So what what are you looking for? I hate to say it. I have to whisper it because people attack me if I'm not careful. I like Michael Bloomberg.
5: Like I, 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 I like him. Like like him enough to vote for him in a primary? Like Possibly. Him?
0: Yeah. I mean, I like Buttigieg, and he's smart. and yeah. He's attractive, and he's charming, and I've met him a few times. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. You know, I met Joe Biden a few times, and I think he's really a decent human human. human being. You know, I understand the arguments for Elizabeth and Bernie and their fight over there on the left. I like Amy Klobuchar. I think she'd be a decent president. She can get through the primary. We kept
5: joking that every time someone asks about Amy Klobuchar, your octave goes up. So it's like, how was Elizabeth? Oh, she was really good. She had a really strong night. Amy Klobuchar,
0: I mean, she was fine, you know, it was okay, it was (laughs) fine. Hey, I want to beat Donald Trump no matter what. I, I don't want, see it. I don't want four more years of more right wing judges on
5: federal courts. Agreed, agreed. So my thing is, I think that Amy Klobuchar says good things. I don't see her winning the primary. I certainly don't see her beating um, Donald Trump. I think with Michael Bloomberg. I'm not really moved, but I will give you a, a bit of a preview that we haven't told our listeners about yet. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, we have Alex Seitz-Wall coming on from NBC News, and he's done this whole long, deep dive into Michael Bloomberg's campaign and like the unusual way that he's running, right? Because he's skipping the first four states in the primary, right? and he's really jumping in on Super Tuesday and hoping to make a cleanup there, and he is spending crazy amounts of money um, to be able to be on the air in all of these different states where he's running. So, I'm really uh, excited to talk to Alex about what he's learned about this campaign and what the perspective is 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 it possible? Because people are saying it's impossible, but it's also never been tried before. Did you so think we'll
0: Donald Trump was possible? Nobody did. Nobody Not did. even Donald Trump thought Donald Trump exactly. Was possible.
5: And at this point, uh, you know, f- uh, four years ago, five years ago, we were saying like, oh, please get out of here. Donald this is never Trump gonna never going
0: to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so we'll we be interesting suffer. to see. I
5: think for me, if I had to vote today. I, I still don't know, no, like, but I feel like it'd probably be Elizabeth Warren mm. in the primary for yeah, me, so, yeah. yeah. All right, tune
0: in, gang. And This is it for the sidebar coming up.
5: Drop off the subject. Subjects. <laughs> I
0: dropped the subject, literally. <laughs> All right. Thanks, gang. We'll see you next week.